Welcome to Back of House, Front of Mind, presented by Healthy Mind Menu. I am Angela. And I'm Paisley, and we will be your hosts. Healthy Mind Menu is an industry-led initiative that recognises a key ingredient in hospitality is its people. Our mission is to improve the lives and normalise conversations around mental health for those working in the hospitality industry. Each episode, we'll be diving into different topics related to mental health and chatting with experts and friends in the industry. So join us, sit back, and let's make sure mental health in the hospitality industry is always on the menu. You can visit our website at healthymindmenu.au for more resources and information, and also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mind Menu. Before we start this podcast, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land on which we are recording today, the Wadjuk people. We would like to acknowledge their elders past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. In this conversation, we'll be chatting with Ryan Michael, a talented local artist and a school art teacher based here in Perth. Ryan's path into the art world took a unique twist beginning with a career as a cook and eventually getting a degree in hospitality management. With a wide range of skills and a career filled with significant turning points from many places all over the world, Ryan will share his journey in this podcast episode. Throughout the episode, he also addresses his own battle with depression, delving into themes like overcoming thoughts of suicide, the importance of living with passion, seeking professional support, and achieving a more fulfilling life. Well, firstly, thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. I know that you've just flown back from overseas and you flew back Monday just in time for the Healthy Mind Menu annual fundraising dinner. Yes. And we called you to the fundraising dinner because we were fortunate to be auctioning an incredible piece that you had created. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the piece of art? And it went off in the auction outstanding you even had the courage to get up and share a little bit of your story which is what i'd really like to capture on here today well the piece is called are you okay it's a portrait in the flower style which is uh, bright colors of anthony bourdain uh, the famous travel uh, journalist you could say and writer and it was a reflection on his battle with the uh, mental health issues and his which unfortunately led to his eventual um suicide and how from the outside his life seemed perfect he got well, he made a lot of money he traveled the world he ate good food everyone loved him but obviously something else was happening on the inside that people couldn't see and that resonated with me, um, as I mentioned on the night, because um, in 2015, I, out of the blue, um, started to feel depressed. But there was no logical reason for it. Um, I was in a healthy relationship with uh, a girlfriend that ended up, is now my wife. Um, I was at a great job at a school where I was paid well, we were living in Singapore, we had the money to travel and we were traveling to exotic destinations. And yet, um, of every morning on our 17th floor um, apartment, I really was considering jumping off the balcony or going to work, 
which made no sense based on what you could see. So my life was an Instagram life. It looked very good on the outside. But the funny thing is that I, it, it was not an event or anything specific that caused it. So when I saw, heard about Anthony Bourdain and, and I'd been following his shows, I've been to so many of his uh, restaurants that he's recommended whenever I've gotten the opportunity or just places to see things to him. And when I, when, when he passed away, it was very impactful because I thought, okay, so it's not just me. And if it's not just me, there must be other people as well that feel this way. That uh, the life of the party, no one would ever guess that something's going on uh, underneath. And, uh, but there is. And so I painted this uh, painting reflecting on that and I wanted to use bright colors because that's my style and also uh, it's I didn't want the painting to be a depressing painting I wanted it to reflect someone's life not someone's uh, passing and while also bringing attention to uh, depression and the uh, the I hate to use cliches but silent killers of mm. um, yeah and uh, as luck would have it, um, I submitted into this art exhibition and uh, the um, you guys saw it. it. It fit in with what you guys uh, do so well. And that led to everything after that. Yeah, we're really big believers in the organic way of connecting with people, getting out in the world, making those connections. And I mean, Healthy Mind Menu, we are at the heart of hospitality and that's the key industry we focus on. And yeah. hospitality touches everyone. It does. We all commune and come together and share meals and talk and it, it creates a network. Mm. And so it was really lovely to see, you know, you brought into that and then being able to share your art and your story at the fundraising dinner. I think it's so important. I know it's so important because so many people in the hospitality industry talk about the same challenges. Mm. There are so many suicides in the hospitality industry. It's mm. tragic. Yes. And everybody's lives are completely different. Mm. But one thing we find in common is that when we're in a place of mental ill health, we don't often understand it. Yes. It's confusing. Absolutely. And we might not know what someone else is going through. And if it's confusing and they can't communicate it, what happens? Yep. Uh, I mean, I'll be the first to admit I am probably one of the least self-aware people uh, in when it comes to mental health because it was my partner, um, I mean, my now wife, that uh, said, something's wrong with you. I don't know how you don't see it, but we need to go get you some help straight away because she could see, well, she knew me better than I knew myself. Um, and she said, okay, we're gonna get you into some therapy. We're gonna uh, go and get some medication. And I mean, these were not uh, quick fixes. I, I think it took three or four changes of medication to find something that worked. Um, one of them gave me narcolepsy. So <laughs> I was falling asleep at, at work. Um, and the other ones were less funny. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it wasn't that simple. And when I, as I said, even in the, um, um, uh, on, on stage, uh, that 
it wasn't uh, like a magic uh, bullet to fix the everything. The depression lasted three to four years after that, but it is a process that starts with saying I need help, and then you know tiptoeing into something new, uh, which is telling a stranger how you feel, which is very scary <laughs> when you've been taught as a male, um, you know, stiff up a lip, macho guys, you know, and you're only strong if you can just get through it rather than asking for help. But now I am all for therapy and I, I haven't been on any medication since 2019. However, I... Um, uh, still go and see a therapist on a monthly basis. Um, same as I would service my car is how I need to service my mind. Absolutely. The mental body and the physical body. Absolutely. And it's all interconnected. Yep. So you also have a background in hospitality, which has led you into such a diverse pathway, a diverse career <laughs> with so many skill sets. Can you give us a little bit of a background into um your your journey from hospitality through to being an, a local Perth artist and art teacher? Um, it's, yeah. Well, when, you fir- uh, uh, when my family first immigrated from India, uh, we moved to Brisbane in 92. I was 12. And then by uh, 14, as a person from a single-parent household with low income, the first thing I needed to do was get a part-time job. So I started at McDonald's and uh, did the night shift on a, at this 24-hour McDonald's uh, in the city between midnight and 5 a.m. As a 14-year-old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- <laughs> this was a different era, apparently. My mum, I don't know what she was thinking, but she said, yeah, push bike on at midnight. And then uh, cleaning the glass windows, cleaning up throw-up, um, <laughs> or pickles that are thrown against the glass windows. Uh, But I found a lot of stuff because drunk people leave money all the time. So (laughs) that was a bit of extra pay. Um, And then uh, from then on, it was just uh, fast food uh, from Macca's to KFC to a Pizza Hut and then waitering on the weekends um, um, to supplement that that income and then all the way through university. And I even, before I got to university, I thought, okay, I was definitely, uh, knew I was creative, artsy, and I thought um, hospitality was the way, becoming a chef, oh, how cool would that be? This is the, when Jamie Oliver was just starting (laughs) off, I was like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Um, But a year into it, oh, the reality hit me hard, low pay, Anti-social hours, being treated like crap, and I—I uh, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't have the commitment, but I didn't see an incentive to stick with this as a seventeen, eighteen-year-old. And so I thought, I—I oh, I think I got the brains. Maybe I'll go to university and do hospitality management, and maybe that will be better if I was in the management side of hospitality. Uh, so I did my bachelor of business hospitality management, and when I came out of it, it was not that much better. I did a little bit of hospitality work, but I was like, oh, the hours are still the same. And I don't know if it was the right fit for me. So I decided to go traveling. And luckily, thanks to these skills, um, while I was spending a year in Sweden, I ended up getting a job as a uh, cook at a high school cooking 
1,500 meals a day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, this is because uh, Sweden's got the American sort of system where they uh, provide you lunches. And, uh, yeah, and this was before Jamie Oliver's school lunches. I was like, oh, when, when that show came out, I know what he means because the budget was so tiny and you really had to get creative. Uh, but, what yeah. was like, what were you cooking? <laughs> oh, there was a lot of... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, macaroni and cheese, and but it was it was healthier than uh, American <laughs> lunches. You know, we tried because I mean uh, Sweden's a socialist country, so their budget's a little bit bigger than America. And yeah, so the, the kids seemed happy. Some days were pancakes. I love pancakes a lot. And then I'd make uh, I'd have the opportunity to design the menu once in a while. So I uh, made an Australian meat pie, but you had to do it on such a large scale. I don't know what it ended up. Uh, it tasted good. It didn't look good by the time it got. <laughs> onto your plate but yeah and then after I got out of that um, not got out of that after I returned I realized uh, I need to do something else that will make some money again uh, poverty is a good motivator and so um, I had a, a my mum to support and I said okay I'll go back to uni um, I'm alright at math I'll do some uh, like a banking course or something and when I got out I got into um, offshore banking which I just stumbled into which took me to different countries which like Tokyo Mauritius South Africa and that was really interesting but after 10 years of doing that I realized oh I'm getting stomach ulcers and I'm 28 uh, maybe I'm not doing something that I'm uh that has purpose or that's giving mm. back or something was not right. It didn't feel right. And my body was telling me, and I told you, I'm not self-aware. So my body but was... You, but you are, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I was aware that I'm in pain in my stomach and that I maybe should do something about that. And that's when uh, at 30, I decided to quit a well-paying job, move back to Australia and go back to uni. And that, uh, and I was like, okay, what do I do? I thought, oh, photography. I, I just started to get into photography, and that was my start. So I did a, a master's in applied design and art with a major in photojournalism, which I thought, oh, that's 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 going to be like impactful, like CNN kind of stuff. But um, as part of that, I covered uh, the Burmese conflict in Myanmar with Aung San Suu Kyi and um, the junta there. And after a year of that, dodging a couple of bullets, you realize, okay, maybe that's not a long-term uh, goal because the odds of not getting shot were not good. So um, that's when I said, okay, I've got to find something a bit with a bit more of a balance because you can't have a family and be the sort, right. the sort of dad that just, uh, I'm, I'm going to be off for six months in a war-torn uh, area. And how long were you over there for? Uh, a year. A year. And what, like, could you feel the effects of being in a stressful environment yeah. on your body? Absolutely, because um, you can't move freely in a, a military-run state. So, but in order for me to get to the front line, so to speak, uh, one needs to get push the limits and go where the conflict's happening. But those are the restricted areas. So you're kind of sneaking in as a foreigner without the language, with a camera. You kind of stand out like a sore thumb. So you, uh, there was a lot of pretending to be a tourist. Yeah, to get yeah. to places and then quickly getting out. So you but, know how to work, you know how to deal with pressure and stress. Well, you have to. I mean, uh, it is exciting. A lot of it is <laughs> adrenaline as well. And, uh, yeah, you, you've got to 
deal with it because it was for a good cause as well because it's promotion promoting democracy and it's the fighters trying to the the um, the rebel groups were people just trying to have freedom and didn't want a military uh, power over them so that their voices had to come out mm-hmm. so yeah and then uh, moved back to Australia uh, and said okay let's try that again and I found teaching. I was volunteering in India uh, uh, teaching kids uh, and I realized I really enjoyed that and so I thought okay what well, a teaching degree and I was starting to get in uh, move from photography to painting and so I thought okay let's become a teacher and I knew the hours were good it'll allow me more time to focus on my passion and over the last 10 years uh, as I've pursued this career which i really enjoy working with kids i've also been able to hone my skills and find my voice as an artist which has worked out really well and that's only because of i think all the mistakes i made that i realized all the things i didn't want to do mm. and i was probably for me i was lucky i didn't have a mortgage didn't have children i could give up a, a salary mm. uh, and make those changes not that I know it's not easy for people to um with a family to be able to stop um yeah it can be deemed as, it can be deemed as selfish to want to you know pivot into Absolutely. your passion and you've got a family to feed and, yeah, and other priorities yeah. everyone you know the first thing is you you put your family first you know that's the that's the line it's such At, a catch 22 though because you've also put your family first but then if you're miserable yeah how good is that you know what i mean like how much help are you and is it even a loving thing to do i mean in every workplace we've got i'd say conservatively 30% of the of your colleagues are in that position they're quietly doing it because they know they've got commitments and they sacrifice their own um dreams or maybe even mental health as a result and it's unfortunate but i get it i'm a, i'm a father now um we'll do anything for our family uh but yeah uh, I, that's why i feel very grateful my journey I, i'm glad i got depressed early on so that i could <laughs> said no one ever <laughs> no, actually, the timing couldn't have been better because it was before i had the um the commitments and the responsibilities that i have now and um yeah and i was able to pivot and uh Yeah, I mean there are people friends do tell me they probably wouldn't have done what I did and just drop everything and change but I I was pushed to a limit like uh, anybody that's under stress uh, in a in an unhappy environment your body is telling you no your mind's telling you no you you can't ignore it for too long Yeah. And in hospitality there are many kitchens that still have an unhealthy environment. Sure the pressure is going to be there in every single role that you do, especially if you're ambitious and you want to yeah. strive and be great. Yes. But there is a certain point where the environment is now unhealthy and understanding that and seeing it for what it is and knowing how and when to let go and leave. Yeah. It's it's so hard um to leave something you know, something you've worked very hard for and um I, I from the kitchens that I've worked in uh, back of house and also front of house dealing with chefs at at, at a high end place um they're under a lot of pressure to produce and uh that I guess it it resonates because they're the leader it it flows into the whole workplace 
And I mean, I think I heard an interview where the the biggest worst curse you can give a good chef is give them a Michelin star or a hat because now they're under pressure yeah. to reproduce every year and year and year, and that's scary. <laughs> so now you're teaching art and you're also developing your own style. And do you have your own gallery? Is that correct? yes? Uh, well, I've I've had exhibitions. Yeah, no, I don't uh, have a gallery space as yet. But I'm looking to in the new year uh, having another exhibition. Yeah, so That's so um, exciting. It is. It is. It is. It is. Um, because it takes time, like anything, like uh, a good chef or uh, a, any art. Uh, 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 pursuit of music or any learning an instrument, it takes time. So I thought 10 years, I, I realistically thought, okay, it'll take about 10 years to start to feel like you're doing something half decent and probably 20 years to feel like you're doing something really decent. Mm. <laughs> so I'm halfway there. <laughs> halfway is great. Halfway is good. <laughs> yeah. There are so many health benefits to art. For somebody who might be listening in that maybe is feeling like they want to give it a go and, and not necessarily as a career, but maybe something on the side as a form of self-expression, emotional processing. Do you have any tips or from your own experience, how can people begin and get started? I'll give you a hack. Uh, oh, okay. A <laughs> <laughs> um, lot of the famous artists, even Leonardo da Vinci used a projector to project images onto your canvas. So if you can get access to any kind of projector, small one, large one, whatever, put your canvas in front of it, get your laptop, plug it in, get an image you want to paint, get the uh, get that outline on there using the projector. That is so sneaky. It I love is, it. <laughs> believe it or not, this has been done for years. And when you're working in scale on um, like murals, full length murals, that's how it's done. It's just projection with uh, bit by bit, unless, because there's no one that can get, if you have a three-story tall mural, you can't get perspective by just mm -hmm. with, a, with, with an arm's length from the uh, painting. You have to use some sort of device. So this is, um, yeah, I mean, if, you, uh, if you're a beginner, literally project what you want onto a canvas, do the outline as much detail uh, or as little detail as you want, and then you'll be already um, have your proportions right. You won't have stick figures <laughs> and uh, and go crazy with the colors. Simple. Be before you started your degree and honing your uh, your art skills, were you already doodling like in a in a journal or a notepad? Had you you know paint by color? <laughs> no, um, I in school I did a lot of Simpsons cartoon characters, <laughs> and that's about it. I mean, I was not the you know we all know that. A cl classmate that was really good at art. It wasn't me. I, I liked it. I just had never been formally trained in it. My art class was, you know, the usual once a week art class, and it didn't, um, it didn't inspire me. I mean, that's why I try my best to inspire my students. But because if you get a good teacher that's inspiring you, then maybe you'll, you know, take more of an interest. And no, um, I drew and took a lot of photographs. I remember when I was in Mauritius working in banking, my, cli uh, my client was a fantastic um, Senegalese French photographer that was a, a banking client. He had the uh, contract for Mauritius Tourism. And I said, 
do you mind if I give you mm-hmm. some financial planning advice in exchange for teaching me how to take some photographs? And he used to take me out at dawn and dusk and we used to do really beautiful photographs around the island. But he said to me, Ryan, 500 photographs a week on average for five years will get you to a proficient level. So it's nothing, for me, it is not natural ability. I believe that you can work hard. It'd be nice mm. if you had that natural ability, and and some people do. I probably have a little bit, but not as much as one would think based on the work you see now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard work and interest, and it helps when somebody guides you. Uh, I mean, fine mentorship the, yeah. in, in everything we do. Oh, right? I wish it was. It came by a bit easier, but it doesn't. You really got to seek it out, and and you've got to like the person because sometimes I've met wonderful artists that are people I wouldn't want to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> That's everywhere, right? <laughs> I would, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned before that in 2015, this depression sort of came from nowhere. Yes. And we see the theme reflected back through your art piece. So obviously the art was a form of self-expression for you, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, which, which did you find that had like a healing effect? Absolutely. Um, I um, feel stressed until I paint. And when I paint, even if it is, it is a battle in my mind, partly because of laziness even though I know that I'm better off once I've done it. It's like, I don't know, whatever your hobby is. Uh, it's, if I know when I paint, I feel better, but getting every getting off my butt, turning off Netflix and actually doing it uh, is the real battle, not the painting. Mm. And as soon as I start, once those colors start happening and time just flies, mm. I'll just sit down and three hours could just go by. And it and it's amazing, and it it is the sort of stress relief that works for me because I'm not someone that probably could like I've done yoga, I've done um, a bit of meditation and things, and I've found my form of meditation, my vehicle is my art, mm. and, and I can and it's it's very conducive to the way I like things in an active meditation in the sense I can have a um, a a show or a a podcast playing. Mm. I can be painting. I can even have a glass of wine. And it's all happening. No, I mean, mean, in the sense it works uh, for me. It's not something that requires like precision concentration, like, I don't know, a Formula One driver. You're in the moment. You're just creating this beautiful atmosphere by the sounds of things. Well, uh, yeah. And you've got to make your own fun. When you started to paint more, I guess, you know, like say preparing for exhibitions, when you turn a hobby into like a job, does it change it? Has it oh, changed absolutely. it for you? I mean, I hear this a lot with chefs, like, you know, you love cooking and then you start the profession and now suddenly yeah. like you come home and you don't want to do that. Yeah, it's there is pressure, but there's more pressure with for me to have been painting for 10 years and having so many paintings in my house that there's no place to put it up. I'd rather the pressure of somebody wanting to see my work (laughs) than it going unnoticed because that is, uh, it does make you a bit sad that, you know, you're working at something and, and yeah, it's nerve wracking, but the alternative is worse. It is, I mean, everyone wants to be seen. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's human nature. And 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 putting your uh, art is putting your heart out there. Cooking, same thing. If a chef comes up with a new dish, he's putting his heart out there. And if you don't like it, you know, it is upsetting. It's the same way as when I put a piece of art out there, which I have for the last 10 years in different exhibitions, it wasn't liked. I had two exhibitions, zero attendance. That is heartbreaking. So when things start to change, it is nerve-wracking, but I'd rather this stress than the other one of sitting alone <laughs> in a gallery. Absolutely. <laughs> Which has happened. I was probably, again, um, I feel like, like my realizations come much later than most people, but um, if you truly love what you do, you will find yourself, it, it's not as much of an effort uh, to do it. Mm. I mean, it's hard work, but it's not like it's once you're doing it, it's a pleasure. I think the the hard work is starting. Mm. It's not the work. And I realized I I got better the more I worked. So it was just every day that that was the hard part, creating the good habits, not the uh, painting. I knew as soon as that the wheels were turning, good things were going to happen. But it's just that, you know, you have a long day at your job, you've come home, you've taken care of your child, you made dinner, you've spent some time with your family, you, you've probably tried to do some exercise, whatever, and then you've got to fit something that is going to better your life in before bed. And it's so easy not to. Yeah. It's so easy to just want to spend that hour or two that you might have for a hobby just zoning out yeah, and yeah. just a little bit paralyzed from the day perhaps, yeah. especially if it's been high adrenaline or yeah. busy under pressure. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is why, as I said, I'm, I'm very fortunate that my hobby slash uh, profession allows me to watch Netflix <laughs> or hear it at least while I'm doing. And, and there is, I can interact, well, I can't really interact with too many people, but I don't have to be secluded. Uh, so I can work in my lounge room and it's okay. Mm. Um, so that part's, uh, I'm very, very lucky. So through your own personal journey and understanding yourself better and having a different relationship to depression, what does that look like for you now and how do you manage it? Are there moments where you might see a red flag for yourself or like a warning sign? And for those that might be listening who are maybe in this place of feeling like, I don't know if I'm okay. I don't know if I'm okay, so I'm not going to say anything. Mm. I mean, it's different for everyone, but what are some of the indicators? Um, if, uh, for me, uh, if I was painting and I was not enjoying it, that's already a red flag. Uh, if I have not painted for more than a week, that's a red flag. If I am drinking excessively, that's a red flag. If I don't want to get outdoors, that's a red flag. So these are things that I've learned mm. over close to 10 years of living with depression. Um, and now it's all about prevent preventative measures. And uh, there are things that um, are unavoidable. Uh, we're going to have arguments with our friends, with our family. But it's... Um, if you find yourself, uh, me, uh, if I am replaying them in my head more than overnight, then again, that's a red flag for me. And uh, yeah, I, 
I'm always on the lookout for this because I said uh, I I was I'm usually the last to realize it, so I'm I'm training myself to not be the last person to realize it because it affects my family members, my friends, the people around me because they get a grumpy version of me. Mm. That's no fun for anybody. And how did you? I mean, your wife was obviously a strong partner for you in this, but how did you communicate this to your friends? I like that, can, that can be terrifying. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, <clears throat> it helps when you're someone known to say everything that's on their mind. Uh, so, I mean, I'm a blabbermouth. So my wife always tells me, please don't talk about me. Don't talk about us. Just, just too much, too much. Uh, so I am more than this is happened over time is uh, just bring it up in conversation uh, saying, you know, hey, I, I've been having a bad day or I've been I've been feeling a bit down. And it's funny with my friends, they won't say not all, at least the ones that are a bit more shy or don't want to share, they won't say anything negative about what I've say, expressed, uh, but they will listen. Mm. And I know I'm thinking of two friends right now. And last month, we're after uh, you know a few drinks, we're sitting in uh, my backyard, and I know they were listening to what I was saying. They, my, they are going through something similar, but they, they didn't want to say anything. But that I, I get it. But I'm somebody. I, I just blurted out like elephant in the room mm-hmm. um because i'm like more than happy yeah depression it sucks and i'm always encouraging everybody to get therapy it's like it's expensive that's the only problem but other than that it is um so worthwhile do you have any other little hacks that you use like that assist you like day to day Well, I I try and like if uh, at least my therapist taught me like, you know, you've got a cup full of whatever you, you know, your positivity and then uh, and there are holes in this cup and life, uh, work, children are are draining this cup of water. (laughs) Right. In it it just energy and, and, and sometimes negativity. So it is up to me to refill it. For me, refilling it might be watching a stand up comedy uh, Mm -hmm. thing on YouTube, having a laugh. Those things kind of top me back up. So if I can look at my day and feel like, like how we look at our 10,000 steps, right? And if we're trying to aim for that every day, we look at where we're at. And if we're under, then we top it up by doing something. It's the same way as mental health. Um, if you're feeling a bit drained at, at five o'clock, do something fun. And I think I was very critical about being nice to myself uh, with regards to mental health and saying that, yeah, I am tired and I can sit down and take a break. That doesn't make me a bad father, a bad husband, um, unfit person. Um, so, yeah, try. it's hard, but we must try to be a bit nicer to ourselves and give ourselves little treats to get through the day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, we try. Again, this is all, these are the the 
that that's just how my therapist put it. Like there, there are holes in everybody's cup yeah. and they're just life, but we've got to keep topping it up. Yeah. And I think something that's important to address here is even the way that you're choosing to live and the things that you're doing, you're enjoying the process of your life as well. Like, Absolutely. you know, particularly, you know, static goals, like I'll feel better when I get a car as mm. opposed to, you know, dynamic goals. Um, you know, I'm wanting to create a painting yeah. and actually I'm enjoying the process of this. Yeah. And, you know, that helps us sort of savor and enjoy life as it's unfolding, even with the challenges, like you said, it could still be really difficult, but I'm wanting to move through that challenge because I'm yep. I'm excited by what I'm creating here. It, I had to enjoy the process for, because for 10 years there was no uh, recognition, no money for my paintings. So I fell in love with the process because there was no reward at the end in the traditional sense. There was nobody going to buy this painting, so I may as well enjoy the process. I was doing it for me. And, uh, yeah, again, these cliches as I get older seem to make sense, you know. In, <laughs> they in, really in, do, don't in, they? In, they hit hard. In, enjoy the journey. Yeah. It's not the destination and stuff, but it's true. It really is. I mean, I try and tell this to my students, and they're always like, so, Mr. Michael, um, what do I need to do to get an A in this class? I was like, this is not English or math. <laughs> I just want you to be creative. You start with an A with me, your effort, your creativity, and the levels of that is what's going to take your grade down or keep it at, at an A. So why don't you stop thinking about your grade, assume you've got an A, then what would you do? So That's uh, a nice way to put it. Well, it, I, I told them in the last lesson just before I came, because you got the academic ones that just think of it in a very yeah. binary ways of, uh, I'm like trying to no, 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 get out of the box. This is art. This, you, you're allowed to be free. And life is art. Yes. If we, you know, you were talking before about um, uh, projecting the image onto the wall and, and if you were doing a mural on, on the side of a big building, mm. you know, when you're up close, you lose perspective. Absolutely. And sometimes it's true, like something happens in your day and you hone in and you're focused on it and it's maybe stressful and now you're annoyed and you're irritated. But if you just step back and get perspective once mm. again, mm. Actually, it's okay. Yes, yes. Uh, travel I found was has been very useful in that. Um, spending time in developing countries or any place where um, the their life or my identical life would not feed me. Uh, but in Australia, I'm able to have this amazing life by by my standards, where I have food, water, shelter, all covered. I have spare money to go on these holidays and um, I get to pursue my dream. Um, so many people who are probably more talented than me, but just because of a universal lottery were born in a place where they were are in a family where they don't have as many resources and have a lot more responsibilities. And they might be a better artist than me and have all that talent, but might never get a chance. So when I've been given this opportunity, I feel very privileged and I want to really maximize that uh, uh, good fortune that I have. That's really beautiful. Thanks for sharing. So how can people find you and discover your art and connect with you? Um, oh, I'm on um, Instagram, uh, brown and bright. There's brown and the letter N and bright because 
I am brown in color, and I work <laughs> in bright colors. So um, that's me on Instagram, and uh, on uh, what else do I? Uh, yeah, and if you can email me, uh, brown and bright galleries uh, gallery at gmail.com if you are interested in having a look at some of my work I can send you or if you are uh, wants someone to uh, do your portrait in very bright colors that sounds beautiful I would love that I might have to I might have to pursue <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and sharing your art which allowed us to connect to talk about mental health and to shine a light for others who might be feeling down and dark and lost and confused Thanks, Paisley. That is my pleasure. They say that you're only as good as the content you consume. So thank you for making the healthy decision to listen to Back of House Front of Mind today, presented by Healthy Mind Menu. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe and also follow us on social media. If you know somebody who may benefit from this podcast, please share with them. See you at the next one.